Hello everybody, my name is Athena and I'll be hosting today's episode of Vanished in the Valley. So we're going to talk about a few things as per usual. But the first topic I wanted to bring us back to was Fort fucking Hood and the fuckery they keep doing to their soldiers and... I will admit this whole incident we're about to talk to did happen prior to the new command coming in, but it's just highlighting how long the sexual assault has been brushed under the carpet or just totally ignored at Fort Hood. So we are trying to shine some light on this fuckery and hopefully things will change. So let's get started. And for this story I'm about to tell you, I actually already have the information and pictures up on the Instagram. You can find it there. I posted it a few days ago, so it's probably buried by now. So what I'll do is I'm going to post it again so it's easy for you guys to see. Because the pictures of this girl I'm about to talk to, she got all fucked up. Her face is completely bruised up. It looks like her abdomen is severely bruised. And it's just like, how the fuck is a U.S. soldier going to be assaulted and sexually assaulted and nothing happens to anybody? But let's start back at the beginning so you guys know what I'm talking about. Fort Hood, here we fucking come again. And hey, Tommy, what's up? Get your base under control, man. On March 18th, 2019... A soldier currently serving at 3CR, which, check this out guys, that's the same company as Vanessa Guion was assigned. Well, the current soldier I'm talking about was sexually assaulted by a superior and harassed until January of 2020. After she was assaulted, her platoon sergeant, who we're just going to call John Smith, Obviously, that's not the right name, but we're trying to protect the victims here. So, Platoon Sergeant John Smith noticed the bruising on her face and pressured her to tell him what happened. So, she was taken to the SARC, which is the Sexual Assault Response Command, by him two weeks later. That's two weeks after she told him that she was assaulted, which is a big fucking no-no. If somebody tells you they're assaulted, you have to report it immediately. So, already right here, I can tell this is about to go bad. Okay, so two weeks go by, and he pressures her to do an unrestricted report by the SARC rep to protect Sergeant Smith, since he didn't report it immediately. Sergeant Smith, from that point on, changed and forced himself into her life by instilling inappropriate rules to have total control of her life. It basically sounds like he's following the playbook of all of these other asshole domestic violence motherfuckers. So just fucking sit back and wait. It's about to get a whole lot worse for this soldier. So he gets total control of her life, and that's including having to call him when taking a shower, when she got home, when she could... I mean, she basically could never be alone. Anytime she did something, she had to call this fucking guy and tell him. Just like total textbook abuser wanting all control. So Sergeant Smith was working on isolating her from all of her loved ones. And when she broke his rules, he would threaten to stop protecting her, to instill fear in her. 
He made her believe that the leadership or her CID weren't trustworthy and that they shouldn't be trusted. He started sleeping in the barrack parking lot to keep an eye on her. Like, how fucking crazy is that? This guy is going to go sleep in a car in a parking lot just to keep tabs on her? Fuck, man. And nobody else, of course, no one had any idea or noticed any of this strange behavior. I mean, this is the base where they didn't notice somebody get fucking bludgeoned to death in the armory and have her body taken out in a case. So I guess it's not really surprising nobody noticed this girl's face all bruised up and her command sergeant acting like a lunatic. So, just check this out. Like I said, it's about to get a whole fucking hell of a lot worse. He said he was getting a divorce, because he was married at this point. He kept telling the soldier that he loved her. And I swear to God, is there like a fucking book these abusers read on how to get control of people? Because, like, it's just so textbook. All the bullshit he's pulling on this poor girl. But, yeah, let's get onto it. <laughs> okay, so... On June 19th, 2019, Sergeant Smith sexually assaulted her. After all his manipulation, she didn't believe anyone would even believe in her, so she felt she had no one to turn to. She never reported it, and the sexual assault went unreported. So, he continues to sexually assault her for the next five months. This is a fucking superior ranking officer assaulting someone in his command. It's just fucking infuriating that this shit happens and it continues to happen and especially at Fort fucking Hood. It's like, I'm, I don't know. I'm really hoping with this new command all this shit's gonna change but I'm sure as hell not gonna hold my breath on it. The army just has too long of a track record of not giving one fuck about sexual assault so, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe if Vanessa Guillon's parents get their way and get that new law passed where they have to go to a third party to report sexual assault, maybe then the army will be forced to take it seriously. But, as of now, it's a fucking joke. Okay, you guys ready to go from bad to all fucking bad? On July 19th, 2019, she found out she was pregnant with Sergeant Smith's child and he was put under an EO investigation due to two other females filing complaints against him. So now we've got three females that this guy is either sexually assaulting or sexually harassing. And who knows how many there actually are because we know it's a fact that most of the time the sexual assault or sexual harassment victims are not going to report it. And you got to keep in mind, this is before Vanessa Guillon. So this is when, you know, the victims almost felt like shamed. Like they knew if they brought this to their command, either nothing was going to be done, like no one's going to be punished, or they're going to get switched to a less desirable job. But it's kind of like a horizontal shift. They're not actually like demoting them or giving them a lower rank. It's just a shittier job. It's just, I don't know, it's just so fucked up. But get ready for fucked up, smothered with some fucking cherries here. So she tries, the soldier that's pregnant, she's trying to get a hold of the Sexual Assault Response Command rep, but they never responded. So that actually reinforced all the bullshit Sergeant Smith had made her believe that no one was going to trust 
her. No one was going to believe her. So she just basically felt like she had nobody to turn to. And check this out. On September 1st, 2019, he forced her to have an abortion in a hotel room through medication and removing the baby from inside her and disposing of it. Like, how fucking sick is that shit? I mean, I just... Uh, we're just going to keep going on or else I'll fucking go on a rant for the next 20 minutes. So, on the week of September 11th through the 16th, while drunk, he would physically attack and sexually assault her, wanting to make sure the baby was dead, even though he had already discarded of the body. Just like, how the fuck are you not traumatized from just killing your baby and literally, like, removing it from your the girl you've been sexually assaulting? It's like, this fucking guy has got no conscience, he's got no fucking soul, and he's in our United States Army, and he's got rank over people. And he's literally using that rank like a predator would, going after those he thinks are weak or vulnerable. And these motherfuckers, these predators can smell vulnerability from a fucking mile away. So, yeah, I just, okay, we're going to get on with it now. So, on January 7th, that's 2020, after many months of abuse, she finally decided to report him to leadership, and he was placed on pre-trial confinement. So, the plaintiff decided to only charge him for breaking a military protective order, maltreatment, and assault consummated by battery, neglecting the sexual assaults by saying they just wanted to get him in prison, then they'd pursue the other charges. Due to poor preparation, he was found not guilty and only pleaded guilty to disobeying the military protective order. When she decided to come forward publicly, it seems her leadership caught wind of it and called her back from leave to reprimand her and try to silence her. Is anybody fucking surprised in the least bit that they would want to silence a victim instead of trying to help out the victim? fucking disgusting. So, this is what's going on inside the army, and it's happening all the time. I'm just telling you about stories that have actually been reported by these courageous-ass victims that somehow find the strength to, like, come out publicly. Do you know how difficult that's got to be? You know people are going to talk shit about you. You know people are going to discount you. People are going to try to, like, turn shit around on you and you're going to be fucking questioned. Your whole sex life is going to be ripped open for anybody to come view it and judge it. Because you know how people like to judge women that like to fuck. It's just, I just wish it was not like this. But unfortunately, my wishes mean absolute dick in this situation. So the soldier, the one I've been talking about, her name is Rihanna Place. And if you go to facebook.com backslash our sister's keeper movement, her story is all there for you to see. They've got the pictures of her fucking just bruised up, you guys. Her face looks like someone took a two by four to it. And they have, there's a picture of her belly. It's like right below her belly button. This poor fucking girl. It's like purple, blue, red, black, and yellow. It's just like different stages of healing. And it just looked like she got the fucking shit kicked out of her. And obviously by a psychopath. I mean, this guy fucking forces her to have an abortion in a hotel room. Then, I guess, takes this dead fetus out of her. 
flushes it, and then a week later, he's back to fucking assaulting and raping her again. This fucking guy. And I, I don't know. I mean, why wouldn't they pursue these sexual assault, tra assault charges along with everything else? So that way, at least the jury can have a full picture of how dangerous this motherfucker is. But, because the U.S. Army doesn't take this shit seriously, they didn't even bother charging him with it. It's like, oh my god, I'm gonna fucking lose my mind if I keep reading shit like this. And especially from Fort fucking Hood, man. Ugh. Okay, I'm sorry. We're gonna fucking... <laughs> we're gonna... We're gonna... We'll go... Okay, yeah. Sorry about that. I had to cut myself off. Okay, so there is a little bit of good news. And let me just tell you about the little shakeup going on at Fort Hood. So as of September, let's see, it was Tuesday, September 1st, the U.S. Army announced the removal of its top commander at Fort Hood. Major General Scott Efland was also denied the command position for the 1st Armored Division. The Army said Elifland, Efland will stay at Fort Hood and continue to serve as a Deputy Commanding General for support. Hmm, I don't like the fucking sounds of that. So the Army also announced that General John Murray, the Commanding General of Army Futures Command, would lead an in-depth investigation into the chain of command actions related to Vanessa Guillon. So, okay, yeah, I mean, I've told you before about the so-called investigations they're doing into Fort Hood, but... I mean, there's nothing back yet on the investigations. The I don't think the reports are due until sometime in October. But it's just like, fucking Christ, guys. We gotta, like, just wait now ba almost a whole year to shake up the command. And in the meantime, 28 other soldiers go missing and or turn up murdered. Jesus, it's like, you think back when all of this started going down back in April... When the media started watching Fort Hood because of Vanessa Guillon. You think back then, something, someone with a fucking brain, would have made sure all of the T's are crossed, all the I's are dotted, and they would have been doing shit by the book. But they didn't, and soldiers continued to either disappear or get murdered. But, I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, let's try to look on the bright side. They are replacing the fucking general, major, whatever he is. But it's like, is he really even being punished? It's like no money is being taken away from his retirement. He's still at Fort Hood helping, I guess, the switchover? I'm not sure. They weren't very clear on why this guy's still at Fort Hood. But hopefully, with new command and all the investigations, and there's even a congressional investigation. So hopefully, with all of this, all of these microscopes on this base... Hopefully, we don't lose another soldier to suicide or murder or going missing. And hopefully, if Vanessa Guillon's parents, if their bill actually goes through, hopefully another soldier who is sexually assaulted, hopefully they just won't be discarded, thrown under the bus, or treated like they're the one that caused this whole problem. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you a letter from Rihanna Place, and she's about to describe her whole experience in the Army regarding this, uh, we're going to keep calling him Sergeant Smith, her platoon leader, and just how she was treated after all of this went down. 
And let me tell you, it's it's fucking, it's really hard to listen to, but I think we owe it to her to hear it in her words, how she felt and how she experienced all of this harassment and assaults. So buckle in for this one, guys. I have been threatened, humiliated, intimidated, mentally, emotionally, sexually, and physically abused by the person who was supposed to teach and lead me to be the best soldier I could be. I dreamt of being in the military my whole life. I wanted to follow in the footsteps of my family members, serve this great country, and give back to something greater than myself. As soon as they allowed females in combat arms, I knew in my heart that this was my future career. There was nothing I wanted to do more than serve my country and pave the way for future females. As soon as my request to go active duty was approved, I dropped my life and the future I've been working on, dropped my last college course I needed to get my degree, I quit my job as a manager, and I dropped my packet to attend the police academy that fall. I honestly thought it was the right decision, that I had a bright future and a career path. The most honorable thing to do was to serve my country and protect all it stands for. When I got to Fort Hood, I was signed to 3CR. I hit the ground running above and beyond in my career. My dreams quickly turned to nightmares. On the night of March 18th, I was assaulted. After returning from a late night run, I was greeted at the top of the stairs by a Caucasian male about 5'10 to 5'11 with light brown, dirty blonde hair. He appeared out of the storage room and started to block my way to my room. I recognized him from previous encounters I've had with the harassment such as catcalling and sexual remarks. He began to say that I was weak and where did I think I was going. I told him to leave me alone and that I didn't want any problems. I tried to step past him, and he grabbed me. I pushed him off of me, and he began to chuckle, calling me a weak female. Fucking asshole. Sorry, it gets worse. We began to fight until he overpowered me and pushed me into the storage room corner. I continued to fight while he was punching me in the body. At this point, he had control of me and took out his erect penis. I begged him to stop and began to fight again. At one point, I was able to break free, but he quickly grabbed my arm and yanked to the point I thought it was dislocated. At this moment, I realized the more I fought, the more he enjoyed it and the worse it could get. I stopped fighting and fixated on a light bulb above me. He pulled down the v-neck bra that I was wearing and began to bite my breasts hard. He had pulled down my shorts and forced my legs apart and began to shove his fingers inside of me. What seemed like an eternity, he stopped and smiled, asking why I was not fighting anymore. He then began to state he likes a good fight. He leaned close to me and smelled, stating, Mmm, I love the smell of fear. I'll be back for you. And left. I quickly pulled my shorts and my shirt up and went around corner to the room. He became my stalker, constantly harassing me. I was physically attacked on additional two times. I was physically attacked an additional two times. He harassed me up until January 2020. CID never found any credible information to get my attacker or stalker. 
After the assault, I did not want to report it. I didn't want to be labeled as a victim. I wanted to remain being looked at as the good soldier without an assault defining me, especially since I was newly integrated female in the camp, in the combat arms. Q. Okay, this is the, we're going to use that fake name again, the Sergeant John Smith, but yeah, that's not his actual name. So, Sergeant Smith, the platoon sergeant at the time, that's who she goes to. After the assault, he observed bruising on my face and he confronted me about it. I initially denied anything had happened. He didn't believe me and sought me out for one-on-one -on -one talks in his car, my car, on the stoop outside of command, until I came clean about the assault. About two weeks later, he took me down to SARC rep, and that's the Sexual Assault Response Command. So he takes her to that little department where I was given a choice to make an unrestricted or restricted report. I was pressured into an unrestricted report by the SARC rep. She said it was to protect Sergeant Johnny Smith there because he failed to report it as a mandatory reporter and he was a good NCO. We don't want to get good NCOs in trouble, right? So after the report, the relationship, the relationship with Sergeant Johnny Smith changed from professional to inappropriate. He inserted himself into my life to prey on my vulnerability and fear of the current situation of the sexual assault and stalker. He began to call me and text me all day, every day. He came to my barracks room invited me out to the bar, and began in placing rules to keep me safe. He made a lot of rules in order to keep me safe. Over time, those rules got stricter. The rules started out simple, like go to the laundry room. I needed someone to take me or be on the phone with him. I needed to tell him if I left, who I was with, and if I came back after dark, he would meet me and escort me back to my barracks room. I needed to tell him when I was going to bed or taking a shower in order for him to know I wouldn't be in constant contact. I had to ask permission to leave my barracks room. I had a relationship at the time, and that relationship was broken apart around the time Sergeant Johnny Smith started to personally insert himself into my life. These rules were beginning these rules were the beginning of isolation phase. I wasn't used to all these rules over little things. When I broke a rule, things just seemed to get worse, and I was to blame because I couldn't follow a simple rule. He would threaten to take away his protection, saying I was going to be attacked again and probably killed. He would replicate the abuse I suffered as a child to get me to shut down if I stood up to him or I broke a rule. I would go back to him, promising to do better, and more rules would be put in place. CID and my command was involved, but he said they were not to be trusted. He stated CID didn't care. It was their job. They get paid and they have to do it. Command did not believe me. It made me shy away and he would funnel all information to and from me to them and vice versa. Further, making me believe he was the only one who could protect and cared about me. 
I had to go with it out of fear of what would happen if I made him angry. He moved me directly underneath him at that time so he could keep an eye on me. He would sleep in the parking lot with direct line of sight to my barracks door so he could watch me 24-7 for what he said was safety reasons. He told me he had filed for divorce and that he loved me. When I didn't respond, he got drunk and aggressive, threatening to come to my barracks room and beat up my boyfriend. He emotionally abused me in order for me to shut down. At this point, he had complete control over me. I was stuck in being molded and trained the way he wanted. Nothing could prepare me for the months that followed. On June 19, 2009, Sergeant Johnny Smith invited me to a sports city grill, a bar, to get some drinks and food. I drank a lot that night, and he was very protective of me when I drank. He wouldn't let me even drive if I had one drink. So he drove me back to my barracks. He walked me up to the barracks room, we went through the usual safety checks and rules, checked the bathroom, under the bed, in the closets, lock and check all doors and windows. He then told me he was too drunk and wanted to chill for a while. I went to the restroom to change into some shorts for bed because I was very intoxicated and just wanted to lay down. When I came out, he was standing there and he began to push himself on me. I said no. He then put me on the bed and got on top of me, saying he wanted to make me feel good and that he loved me. I continued to say no. He pulled down my shorts and my underwear, forcing my legs open. I froze. I couldn't believe what was happening to me again. He performed oral on me, and still I was unable to snap out of it to fight. He then, posi he then positioned himself between my legs inserted his penis inside of me. I remember the burning, cutting pain as he did. So obviously she's not into this or else it wouldn't be hurting like that. This is fucking rape, you guys. I said no again. I'm a virgin. He ignored my pleas and continued. After what seemed like forever, he stopped, rolled off of me, and passed out. I was in shock at what had just happened to me. I felt like it wasn't even in my body anymore. I couldn't report it. Who could I go to? He made me believe I was all alone and he was my protector. This is the hold he had on my mind. I went and took a shower, scrubbing myself to get his touch off of me. He told me he'd had a vasectomy and not to worry about getting pregnant. After this night, he began to tell me that he loved me, that we were now forever connected because he took my virginity and now he could teach me. And I started to believe him. This was not the last time he would sexually assault me. And in fact, he would continue to do so for the next five months. Jesus Christ. Don't worry, it fucking goes on and gets worse as usual. July 29th, 2009. Sergeant Johnny Smith was put under investigation for allegations made by two other females in our platoon. He was removed from our platoon and an MPO, a military protective order, was put in place. He lured me down to the bar to set up a plan on how we were going to communicate from now on. Once I arrived at the bar, he explained to me that the females made an EO complaint against him, that it would be 14-day investigation and not to worry. But in the meantime, he wanted me to be protected and not have my safety at risk by the situation. That I needed to download this texting app called Text Me. 
and that's how we were going to communicate. Giving me rules and how I was allowed to use it, for example, I would always have to initiate contact, and I would have to change the number I was using every 24 to 48 hours. All of this should have been a red flag for me, but something else important took place that morning that it made me ignore it. I found out I was pregnant with his child. Mind you, he had told me he had a vasectomy. Jesus Christ, it's just like, fuck, can we get any worse in this fucking shit? And like, why lie about having a vasectomy? Did he really think that at some point this girl, this virgin girl, is not going to get pregnant? Jesus So, she did, however, three days later, after hearing the stories of the two other female victims reach out to the Sark rep, I explained I needed to speak with her ASAP. She asked me if it involved Sergeant Johnny, and I told her I couldn't confirm that over text, but I did need to speak about the situation that was happening. She said, okay, when you get back from the field, we can speak. That was the last time I heard from her. She never responded to my cry of desperation. If she would have done her job, it would have not only saved me an additional five months of abuse and beatings, but it could have saved the life of my unborn child. It's like, how shitty do you have to be at your job? You don't fucking call back somebody that obviously sounds like a fucking victim. This only supported Sergeant Johnny Smith's claims that he was the only one who cared and no one would help me. He demanded I get rid of the baby because they would know it was his. He said it would be better if it was just us, especially with the investigation going on. That if I didn't get rid of the baby, he was going to go to jail and I was going to go to jail. We'd both lose our careers and I would be a single mother with no way to provide for my child. I begged him to allow me to keep the baby. I'd already fallen in love with it, regardless of how it entered my life. It was an innocent life that was pure and showed me the love that I never thought I was capable of. I should have fought harder. I even contacted a pro-life advocate that was, was trying to find a reversal drug for the pills he had made me take. With no luck, again, confirming I was alone and he had complete control over me. Through emotional, mental, sexual, and soon-to-be-physical abuse, he forced me to have an abortion on September 1st, 2019 in a Super 8 motel. Before the abortion, he again sexually assaulted me, saying he wanted to make me feel good. I don't want to go into too much detail about this night, because this is the night he killed who I was. He took everything from me at this point, but I would like to paint a picture for you to show what he did. It was me frantically trying to find medication to reverse the abortion pills. It was me driving, preparing myself to commit suicide because I could not live with what he was forcing me to do. It was me on the ground in the hotel room, covered in blood, clutching the body of my baby, screaming, I was sorry, and him yelling at me to shut up or someone would hear. It was him picking my unconscious body off the ground, covered in blood. Me coming to and him saying, thank God, I was worried I was going to have to call 911 and I was going to jail. Fuck, man. It was him taking my baby's body out of my arms to have complete control of the evidence and me always wondering what he did with it. Did he throw it in the dumpster outside the hotel like, like it was nothing, like it was trash? It was me lying on the floor in a pool of my own blood thinking, I wonder who will find my body. 
God, I wish this was the end of the story, but it's not. There's another four months of abuse. So the week of September 11th through the 16th, she had a medical complications because of the abortion. I retained tissue and was causing me to be very sick and risking my life with possible infection. He had come over to my residence drunk and was stumbling, clearly aggravated about me being ill. We started to argue and he was convinced that the baby was still alive and that I never took the abortion pills, which made literal no sense because a reasonable person who witnessed what had happened that night in the hotel room would know that's not possible. The argument escalated into another physical confrontation. He knocked me down and proceeded to punch and kick me in the pelvis, ensuring the baby was not alive. He then picked me up off the ground and placed me on my bed. He pulled down my shorts and inserted his penis inside of me. He stopped after getting grossed out because I was bleeding, and he left me there. Oh my god, he's one of those guys afraid of a little blood. Oh my god. I don't know. Those guys that, you know, they don't... Fuck, I don't even know. We're just gonna... I'm just disgusted. Let's just keep going. On October 2nd and 3rd, I was on Conley due to the complications of the miscarriage. Sergeant Johnny Smith came over and we started arguing about the abortion and him making me go through it all alone. He was never around with all the complications. He made me get the abortion to save his own butt and it almost killed me. But he couldn't be bothered to make sure I was okay. Well, this day I'd had some sharp words for him and he didn't like it. He punched me in the face, threw me like a rag doll into some furniture, then kicked and punched me in my ribs. October 4th, I returned back to work. My sergeant saw my face and immediately took me to the clinic to get checked. I was convinced I deserved that beating because I had taken my child's life and I had disrespected him. I had to protect him in some sick sense of love and abuse. When I arrived, they had me take off my blouse and they observed all the other bruises besides my face. They suspected abuse and asked me about it. I denied it. Although when they asked, I teared up. They called on my command immediately and said I was being abused. I was brought in and again denied it. They had suspected Sergeant Johnny Smith immediately because he was too involved in my life, even though there was a military protective order in place. They brought in a prosecutor who was working on the case against him to talk to me. Again, I denied it. I could never explain the hold he had, the brainwashing this man had done to me. I look back and I'm so ashamed that I allowed it to happen. I had suffered a concussion and was referred to the TBI, which is traumatic brain injury, uh, to the TBI clinic in an attempt to pressure me into giving command the name of my abuser. They made me cancel my appointment and put my health concerns to the side. They sent me to Fort Irwin, California for a month-long training event. I have text messages between the command team stating that because I wouldn't come forward, they could not help. Further proving... Sergeant Johnny Smith's mind game that command didn't believe me and that I was just a number. He was the only one who cared and would take care of me. It wasn't that I didn't want to talk. It's just that I, when I went to speak, nothing came out of my mouth because pure terror of what had, could happen to me. It was at this time I decided to need to figure out a way to come forward, but how? I started to back up the text messages he made me delete. I started gathering evidence because if I do, then command can't call me a liar. It took me until January 7, 2020 to go to my camp command and turn in Sergeant Johnny Smith. 
I've never been more scared in my life. Most of the time I was shaking uncontrollably and staring at the ground, struggling to get the truth out. After a ruthless, seven-hour-long CID investigation, things began to move. He was put in pretrial confinement. I don't want to write too much on the trial because that will be another five pages of information. I'll summarize it, though. The government only decided to charge him at that time for breaking the military protective order, maltreatment, and assault consummated by battery. None of the sexual assaults were charged. They promised me they would be after this court-martial. I was never allowed to talk about to refer to them. When I explained our physical relationship, it sounded consensual. He pled guilty on breaking the MPO, that was the protective order, for five months, so we couldn't speak about that in court. That half of the story had gone between those two things we could and could not discuss. The government's case had plenty of holes in it because of poor work. Simple things like not having my medical records that recorded every one of those assaults in some way, even if I had denied abuse. Every bruise was documented. It was simple things like that that unjustly caused an acquittal in those charges. When the panel came back with a not guilty, Sergeant Johnny Smith smiled at me. He was right. He would win. It was just like the O.J. Simpson case. Everyone in that courtroom knew he did it, but because there was reasonable doubt, he got set free. The government just poorly prepared. Everything in the defense closing argument had documentation that could have been proved if the government properly prepared. There was senior leadership on his side that went and lied on the stand. He took a guilty plea on breaking the MPO, punishable by three years, a bad conduct discharge, and reduced in rank to an E1. The sentence shook the courtroom even more. He was given a general order of reprimand, a write-up basically, that's in your record. He got to keep his rank and be able to lead other soldiers, other soldiers that are female possibly. How can this be possible? A good fucking question, girl. This is my story of injustice. Many people failed me. The army failed me. Programs put in place to protect me failed me. I was never even notified that he was released from jail. And now I must fight again to try and get the army to bring these sexual assault charges against him. I must fight the system I want my story told so no one will ever be failed like this again. Please help me do this. Help me get justice. I'm an E4 going against the big army and calling out their failures. This is only part of my story. There are more stories of the countless sexual assaults and assaults. These are just the ones that killed who I used to be. So, yeah, like I said, that's directly from Liana. I mean, fuck, man. I just, I really hope she gets the justice on the sexual assault charges she's bringing against this disgusting motherfucker. I just, I'm just so sick of it. Every day, every week, opening up the news and seeing some female soldier. It's usually female. Not always, though, like we have with Elder Fernandez. Just seeing our soldiers being abused and assaulted and the system failing them. When are we going to get this shit straightened out? It's just fucking disgusting, you guys. Ugh, well... I hope uh, you guys can pass her story along too. That's all she asked out of all this. She just wants her story told. 
So if you guys can pass it along, that would be awesome. We'd be helping her out. Before I run away today, I just wanted to say what's up to all of our downloaders. So let's go check out the places. All right, in first place, how surprising, Sacramento. Hey guys, what's up? I appreciate the downloads. I think quite a few of them are coming from Garrett, my handsome boyfriend. I think I told you guys about a couple episodes ago. If you didn't hear, I'm no longer fucking single. I was single for 10 years, you guys, and then just met this amazing guy who, uh, I guess he, he lives in uh, the Sacramento area, and just coincidentally, suddenly Sacramento is taking over the first place spot. So, thank you, darling. I appreciate it. Second place, we have Kamas. Hey, guys. What's up, Washington? We've got Redding in third place, my favorite little fucking mountain town in California. And we finally have some Floridians. Orlando, what's up, guys? Thanks for the downloads. So, check it out. If we get any Patreons or the Acast, uh, I guess, volunteer donation situation, you guys will get a bonus episode. Otherwise, you won't. You're shit out of luck. So, <laughs> as always, be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Cha-chao. Are you lost?